All right, hi, how's everyone doing? Good, good, good Saturday. This is like the last panel block for mages. I don't think, I don't know if that's a compliment to the panel or like, in, like <laughs> we put you in the last one. Like, is it because it's the busiest night or because just like, let's put them there. Either way, thank you for coming. Um, what? What do you riffing. want us to say to that? I'm riffing, <laughs> riffing. Um, I'm Dylan Vento. I am the co-founder of Ward Games and joining me are people far more talented than me. Uh, Anya Combs, uh, director of games at Kickstarter. Hi, Hello. Anya. Go for Anya. I, lo I love the look that people, I always get a look when people are like, wait, you're the director of games at Kickstarter? Like, it's just shock, shock from everyone's <laughs> face. I'm like, also no, we're real. First, first MAGFest. <laughs> my first MAGFest, yeah. Wild, yeah, wild, it is wild. wild. Celebrity. Um, no. Also, another New Yorker, yeah. Sam Ang, uh, developer, creator of Zarvat. How do you, what, what do you like to refer to yourself as? Developer, creator of Zarvat. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Any developer extraordinaire? I'd say just like general badass. That's how I would describe <laughs> you. Wow. Wow. Um, so, welcome to a panel uh, called Have I Made It? Um, a panel that I kind of created um, when I asked myself that question. Um, <laughs> Basically, the premise is, so there's a lot of panels that, like, it, Anya, you, you can speak to this. Like, there's a lot of networking panels and stuff like that at PAXs, it, like, specifically about, like, different tracks. It's, like, art, music, you know, MAGFest does a lot of music stuff, um, programming, stuff like that. It's a lot of, like, questions. A lot of them are gore, uh, uh, um, geared towards AAA, where it's, like, I want to be in AAA. Uh, I want to, how, how do I get into games in that way? And, like, obviously, like, you know, Sam is an indie developer. Anya works at Kickstarter. Um, I'm an indie developer. And there's uh, there, there are other avenues for getting into games, but also those avenues are both tougher and easier than AAA in a lot of ways? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what it is that you want to do, right? Yeah. And so I'm in a really interesting place in my career. This is my 12th year in games, so I've been in the industry for a really long time. Um, I believe the average amount of time people spend in the games industry is roughly five. Um, add that I'm a woman in the industry and it's something more like three. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that I've been in, thank you. So the fact that I've been in the industry for 12 years and none of you are going to get rid of me. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a wild ride. But the, the cool thing about where I am in my career is I'm, I'm now able to mentor people, which is really exciting. And I'm always like really honored when people are like, oh, I'd love to pick your brain about the industry. And the, the one thing that I hear more than anything else is, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to work in games. And that's great, especially when you're starting out. But I think the thing is you kind of need to figure out what it is that you want to do. Yeah. So if you are an artist, that's one thing. If you're a programmer, if you're a designer, if you are just like, I'm like deep into coding, like whatever it is, but you need to kind of figure out what it is that you want to do versus I just want to work in games. That's not going to get you anywhere. And if you want to do all of them, let me suggest any development because yeah. <laughs> you will do all of them. Um, but also like a lot of those panels... Like, and I also, I do a, a podcast about indie development and we have like local indies where I'm at, I'm in Richmond, Virginia. And then I bring on people from across the industry and talk to them about their stuff. And it's, it's interesting. Like, obviously like survivorship bias is a thing. Like people like, oh, you obviously have expertise because you were successful, but like maybe that isn't directly applicable to me. Like I interviewed Mike Bithell once who created Thomas Was Alone, if you're familiar with that game, or like he did the John, uh, the John Wick yeah. game that just came out. And like he's like kind of like the relatively earlier indie developers from I guess like what we call like the contemporary indie generation. That guy's a big inspiration for me. Yeah, because Zarvat is Zarvat is basically Thomas was alone in three D. If you break it, if you really break it down, I, it, I it is a clone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Uh, I like I was talking to him about like asking like the the question of like what do I do like what would you asking Mike Bethel what would you do if you were like starting out right now like how would you get into games how would you break into being a successful indie now and his answer was like I would create a time machine and I would go back in time and I would create Thomas was alone um, because like there's like stuff changes so quickly that it's like it's hard to like it's hard to both like keep a finger on the pulse um, and then also like make sure like you're on the right path. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this panel is kind of about. It's kind of about discussing 
with these fine folks, like where they are, where they've been, and also like how they've handled where they've been and like, you know, the, the lingering questions that always happen. I just want to, I want to show a hands, like who here is interested in being in games in any capacity? Like who, who wants to like working games? Okay. Um, let me narrow that down. Hold who on. Wants... For the people who didn't raise your hand, what, what are you doing here? Hey, look, people <laughs> can be interested here? in a subject matter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, okay. For the people who raised their hands, who, who, who are interested in making a game? Okay. All right, is anyone interested in like games media, like covering games or talking about games? Okay, okay. So most people are here. Great, we didn't inter bring on any media folks, so that's great. No, um, but, <laughs> but that's also interesting, right? Because like, like it's actually a way smaller circle than you think it would be, and tons of people jump between working in media and then working in development and back again. Well, the games industry is small. Right. We all know each other. Yes. I know two people, <laughs> and they know so, two people. And we are the industry, so congratulations. Um, <laughs> no. 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 Um, but yeah, so that's what this panel is going to be kind of talking about, kind of talking about like people's paths and how they're unique and like how they handled the struggles along the way. And I want to clarify, because I didn't let these fine folks know beforehand, don't feel pressured to talk about super difficult stuff. You don't have to like... No, let's get weird. No. <laughs> Saturday MAGFest. It's recorded. That means it goes nowhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It goes into my podcast feed, which is nowhere. Um, all right. So so I put this up here. Someone, another friend that lives in New York, um, uh, Seth Rosen. He was a the systems designer at Rational. Then he worked at uh, Hangar 13 on Mafia 3. And now he's at the NYU Game Center as like an adjunct uh, professor. And he tweeted this. Like, if you know, it was Alex Norris, webcomic name, um, where the punchline is always just a guy saying, oh, no. He's saying, if I was up there, I would be happy, and there's a ladder leading up to the next level, and then he gets up there, and he's like, oh, no, I'm not, not any happier. I also love, like, there's no sense of perspective in this third panel. Like, I, what is he sitting on? Where, what, is the, what, is, what is that room? Um, but, he, but he tweeted that, and I was like, hold on a second. You were a systems designer on a Bioshock game. What are you talking about? And then it like, and then you go into like this mental state of like, wait, if he doesn't think he's made it, and I don't think I've made it, then what's the end game here? So, rewinding it back a little bit more, I want to I want to talk to these folks about like starting out and where where they started. I know more about Anya's position where she started because it was. Not there, Sam. I don't. I don't know much about your history. So let's start with Sam. Sam. Oh man, I, I really wanted to hear Anya's. We'll get to her, uh, Sam. Uh, so I started maybe like six or seven years ago. Uh, so I was born and raised in New York City, uh, in like uh, Manhattan. You're from San Jose. What are you throwing up the horns for, dude? I've been in New York seven years, three more, and I'm a true New Yorker. <laughs> is that is that is that true, Sam? Is it it's, ten years? It's true, and, yeah. Okay. Then then she can apply to be a true New Yorker. <laughs> a New Yorker the day that I hit someone with my saxophone on the subway because they wouldn't get out of my way. That's when I was like, nope, I'm a New Yorker. All right. That's, that's the accelerated track. <laughs> so, yeah, I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I love the city so much because it's my home, but uh, growing up in New York, um, I was always surrounded by all this like art and cultural stuff, and I really always loved art, uh, but I was uh, not that good at it, to be quite honest. <laughs> And I went to this uh, college on an art scholarship. I wasn't that good at it. But uh, there was this end of year show for video games. Sorry, I, an end of year show for a gallery. So I decided to make a video game. <laughs> That's what I meant. And uh, that was really fun. And I had a really good time making this uh, Super Hexagon inspired kind of thing. Uh, this was like right when Super Hexagon came out. Um, and then after that, I was like, oh man, this, this is fun. I guess I'll make another one. I started working on Zarvat. Um, and then I guess like five years later, I shipped it. Uh, so, so it was five years. Five years in, Zarvat was your first release. Well, I guess five years from like total inception of wanting to make a game uh -huh. and then shipping it. Zarvat itself took four years. Okay. One year of which I didn't touch the game at all because I was a little depressed. <laughs> that happens a lot, folks. Um, not to say it's not important, but like it's, it's, it's hard when you hear how often that happens to folks. Yeah, I'm, I also really want to credit this one guy who uh, really, really helped me in getting started in making video games. Um, I don't know this guy, and he doesn't know me. 
um, this guy uh, named Stephen Lavelle. Uh, he, he, goes, he goes by the name Increpare online. Does anyone know this guy, Increpare? Yeah, I, was, I looked immediately at Moment. Oh, yeah. Moment knows. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this guy, Stephen Lavelle, he made a game called Stephen's Sausage Roll. Oh, that's Stephen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What, what, what about that, Stephen? No, I just I never knew his last name. So you said oh, okay, Stephen yeah. Sausage Roll. I was like, oh, okay. So he, he really inspired me because um, back when I was young and dumb, uh, I was kind of weird, and I would play all these like Flash games online, and he was, he, he was making the weirdest Flash games. And every time he would put it online, he would put it online, and it would be like free, and then he always write what he made it in, like HTML5, and then start, he started using like Unity 3, Unity 3, Unity 3 for all the things, and he would always have the source code posted. Um, so I would like download it and like rummage through it and stuff and see what he made, um, and I was really inspired by his works because he it was all, it felt like pure creativity and in a medium that really resonated with me. Um, like growing up, all I did was like run home from school and play video games that I pirated off Pirate Bay. So uh, th that was all the media I knew. Like I didn't really watch movies or TV. Uh, I listened to music, but really I spent all my time just like pirating AAA video games and indie games and playing them. I feel a little bad saying that. Um, I'm calling the cops. <laughs> uh, just as an addendum, like after I shipped Zarvat, a month later, I saw my game on the trackers, and I, I was I was blown away. I was I like, yes, it. and I, I tried to leech it, but there there, there were only like th three seeders. So I was like, I'll leave it for someone else. All right, Anya, how about you starting out? Um, I actually have a question for you before I dive into my wow, weird just breaking my my. Way of structure. Dude, I'm an anarchist. That's what we do. Uh, is game development your full-time job? That's a really tough question. Um, so <laughs> I, I use Unity full-time, I guess, yeah. but a lot of it isn't game development. So is it like Unity developer like for other applications and stuff? Is that? Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Anya, starting out. Hi, yeah. So I've been in games, uh, this will be my 12th year, 11th year, 12th year, so I started in 2008, yeah, 12 years. Um, I got my start uh, back where I'm from in San Francisco Bay Area, uh, in San Francisco, uh, for a little flash gaming website called addictinggames.com. Who here has heard of it? Okay. Uh, so I was the person who found the games to put on the website. <laughs> Oh, wow. You're a scout for yeah. a web games portal? <laughs> yeah. You found the addicting games? I found all of them. I was like, is it addicting? All right, let's get it. <laughs> this is a very easy Well, I played job. this game for 60 hours yeah. this week, so I guess it's going up on the site. <laughs> uh, so I learned a lot. Uh, so, sorry, to take a little bit of a step back. So games are actually banned in my house. Games were not allowed to be played. Uh, we played a couple of tabletop games, you know, family game nights and stuff like that. But I remember asking my mom for, uh, uh, I was like, I want the Nintendo. And she was like, okay. And gave me a, uh, like a, you know, like a disc, whatever. And it was like a Mario typing game. And I was like, this is not the Nintendo that I asked for. The motion that you made with your hand, she was like, okay. And then flipped you off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, sorry, kid. Uh, so my relationship with games is a little bit complicated in the sense that like, I don't, I didn't play games growing up. So me coming to games now, 12 years later, like I obviously love it. I love games. I love playing games. Um, they're, they're wonderful and, and amazing and they've helped me through my own sort of like mental health journey, which has been great. Um, and also like this industry has given me some really genuine friendships with people, like people that have like been at my wedding. Like <laughs> it's pretty great. Uh, anyway, so that job. Uh, we were owned by Viacom, so we were owned by Nickelodeon, and so I essentially worked for Nickelodeon under the Addicting Games brand, and they decided to shut down the San Francisco office, and they gave a handful of us offers to move out to New York City, so I moved out to New York City to take over Addicting Games um, basically as like, much as I possibly could, and then about a year and a half in, they sold Addicting Games and didn't tell anyone. Uh, cool. So that was cool. So then I worked for Nickelodeon for a while. Uh, I did, I've done basically everything except game design uh, and, and like anything related to coding. So production, social media, blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, this corporate thing is not for me. Um, but what I'm interested in more than anything else is working with creators. Like I feel like um, as someone who is creative in my own avenue playing saxophone and music, I understand the mindset of creators. I understand 
uh, not only like mental health struggles of if it's imposter syndrome, if you're depressed, if you have anxiety, whatever it is, like I, I totally get it. And I don't think there's enough people in games that advocate for creators. And so I like to con consider myself sort of someone that's an advocate for the mind of the creator, because at the end, the, at the end of the day, I consider anybody who makes a game an artist and that's how you should be treated. Um, so that's what I do at Kickstarter. Uh, I want sort to, of. <laughs> I want to take it one step further back, though, because you originally didn't plan on. You mentioned music, but like you went to you went to college for music. Yeah, I studied. Um, I went to a classical conservatory. Um, I studied classical music pretty hardcore. Um, I've been playing saxophone for I think like twenty five or twenty six years. Um, it's what I thought I would do. I still do play in New York City. I play in about six bands, and I'm adding more to that because what is sleep and time? <laughs> it doesn't um, exist at this convention. It does not exist at this convention. This convention is like my every bad th thing that I do that I shouldn't do is like it's just shoving me in the face. Every vice. Yeah, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but so I think the, the kind of question I want to hit on right there is like, so you studied music where's the jump from going to university for music and then oh, getting a job yeah. in this? Because I feel like a lot of people like intentionally go to school to try to eventually get in games. And there are a lot of people that like kind of tangentially like fall into games or like just Which, end up in games somehow. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. So I studied um, music management through the classical conservatory and I wanted to do A&R, artists and repertoire and find uh, I wanted to sign bands to labels. That was like my dream, artists and bands and things like that. Because again, like my focus was always on cr creative people and, and advocating for creative people as much as I possibly could. Um, and then the music industry was like, uh, LOL, we're going to just completely explode and everything's going to fall apart. And I was like, great. Um, all right. Well, I guess I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So I did work in music <laughs> very momentarily for about a year. And I was like, well, women are treated really bad in music. Mm, games. <laughs> It'll be much better in games, right? <laughs> so I just applied online to this like crazy job where I was like, oh, it's A&R for like little internet games. And I like played little internet games, flash games. I didn't know that's what they were. I was like, the little internet games, you know? <laughs> With like the jewels and stuff. <laughs> uh, and so I applied to basically do A&R for Flash games. And there was just something that clicked in my brain where I was like, oh, I, I, I totally get what this is. This is exactly what I wanted to do. It's just in a different medium. But I get to work with people that are creative and I get to speak for them when they aren't able to speak for themselves and like kind of stick it to the man a little bit. In a, so. in a medium that was banned in your house. In a medium that was banned. Oh, my mom and I last year had to have the, she was like, you know, all the gun violence, it's because of the video games. And I was like, oh, mom. That's and nice. I, I ranted. <laughs> and now she's like, no one should ever say that video games cause violence. And I was like, yes. It worked. <laughs> uh, Sam, did you go to college? To go put you on the spot just like that. He just said he went to art school. Oh, did you? I'm sorry. I, I completely blanked out. Um, I'm an asshole. I'm going to go. No, I'm sorry. I didn't I'm mean gonna... to call you out like that. That's on I mean, me. I apologize. I went for a while. <laughs> Got it. It's... Did you Did you graduate? I didn't graduate. I'm a science this class. This is a safe space. Yeah, man. I'm a science class short was... of getting a classical music degree. Now I'm good. I was going for a triple major. I ended up with zero. <laughs> yeah, if you shoot for the moon, sometimes you miss. So you, you get Jupiter, I guess. Yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> um, moving on. All right. So we kind of, kind of, this kind of got mixed into the 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 starting out stuff, like big breaks. Like you talked about, you you started working on the game. So you worked on Zarvat for four or five years, Sam. What? Uh, so when did it go from like, oh, this is a thing I'm tooling around with, like, oh, no, I can release this, and it'll be on Switch, and it'll be great, and all this stuff, and it'll be showcased in Nintendo Direct. Like, when does that, when does that happen? I, I have to be quite clear. Like, there, were, there weren't just one big break. I had maybe, like, 50 big breaks. Yeah, that's why so I said like, big breaks, plural. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, the, first, the first year I made Sarvat, uh, I, I had a pretty good prototype, and then I brought it to PAX, uh, West, because I got into the PAX 10, and I was like, oh shit, this is great, and then I got my friend Greg, who, uh, I was like, I was kind of a little kid, so I was like, I don't know what to do, and then Greg was like, I know, I know Seattle, yeah, we can, you know, he took me on You make a big kid in Seattle, I know Seattle. Pretty much, I mean, he just drove me around, I don't know how to drive, because I'm from New York, you know, I'm just like, oh, 
Um, so he'd drive me around everywhere, and then I was staying at like his aunt's house. Like I owe so much to this guy. Um, and then at PAX West, um, during the PAX 10, I met this guy, Kirk Scott, who uh, oh, yeah. is a Nintendo guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time. And then I like... Oh, I, I think he's still there. I eventually bought a Wii U dev kit from him for like... I can't say the number, but for... <laughs> You know, like a, you should just walk into the computer museum <laughs> where they have the dev kits and just write a number down next to it. So, like, getting a Nintendo contact early was super, super valuable. Getting sure show it packed super early. I was working with this other guy who I owe so much to, this guy, Ian Chang, um, who's a brilliant, brilliant artist, and he uh, took me under his wing pretty much. Uh, let, let me work on stuff. Um, I, I met this guy, Andrew Lindy, who we worked... I, I worked with Vanya yep. on a Kickstarter um, project. Well, she really just helped us a lot. So, <laughs> well, that's what she does. does yeah. She helps people. I'm a helper. Yeah, she, she, she really enabled us to, you know, get money to eat stuff. So, uh, <laughs> to clarify, PAX 10, do folks know what PAX 10 is? I get a couple nods. Um, so, yeah, like... Well, sorry, taking a little bit of a step back, everybody knows what PAX is, right? I just want to establish that. Yes, yeah, the I'm worst like, MAGFest. Sorry. Hey man, just, <laughs> there's a little beef. There's a little beef. No, it's fine. Oh uh, no, um, but like, it, if you if you want to do indie dev stuff, what? I'm just 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 joking. What's up? This got weird. Let's move on. You wanted it to so get weird. Anyways, you so to get weird. Anyways, is... so um, for a lot of indies to get to the big shows, like the only opportunity that really exists is like one of the like one of a few avenues. So it's Pax Ten or Pax Rising is like their newer one. And these are all application-based. There's Indie Mega Booth or MIVS, which is downstairs, which is the MAGFest Indie Video Game Showcase. Like, it's if you want to get to the big shows and you don't have, you know, just several grand lying around to buy a booth, uh, it's you're applying to these things and they'll give you kind of like a prorated rates or sometimes it's free for some of them. Uh, we are also only talking about video games right now. If we are talking about tabletop, if anybody here is interested in tabletop, it is a little bit different it is. for some of these conferences. But PAX South does do PAX Rising for, or PAX yeah. South has a PAX. But, but in addition to everything yeah. that you mentioned, there's yeah. also the tabletop co-op, right? which is really great. So that's yes. also something to keep in mind if, if tabletop is your jam. Right. Which they basically share booth space uh, together. Um, which some cons don't let you do that, which is weird. Like there's a the navigating the con thing, but like you talk about like going to a convention, that's like that's that's a big break. Like mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of a lot of like stakeholders sometimes don't consider you serious you know, for good or for ill if you don't show up at one of those things. I, I mean the thing is like it, it's kind of shitty, but if you think about it in the sense of like one of the reasons they want you to showcase is because they want they want to see that you're being serious. Because if you're like, well, I really need, like, I really need you, like, let's say as a publisher, and you're like, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put the time into myself. Why would a publisher want to put them their time into you, right? Right. Like, that's something to just kind of keep in mind. Yeah, and I mean, Kickstarter's kind of the same way. Like, a lot of people, like, they raise money on Kickstarter, and it's not enough to fund full development, but it, no, but it 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 can be enough to attract the attention of like other people, like, oh this person was able to raise money based on the idea mm -hmm. of the game they're developing. And, yeah. and so let's lend them a hand. Like we know there's a nascent, mm -hmm. you know, interest in it. Um, so Anya, any big, any big breaks for you? Yeah. I mean, I think because my career is so different in the industry, I don't think I really had any like big breaks. I don't, I like, I know I'm in the industry. <laughs> I don't really know who I am in the industry. That's kind of like the weird thing. Like, so if we are getting weird, one of the things that I'm really grappling with right now is like, I am, I'm struggling to figure out who I am independently of Kickstarter as a person in the games industry. So what I mean by that is, am I always going to be Anya Combs from Kickstarter or am I able to be Anya Combs like video game professional? Because what does that mean as a video games professional? As someone that like can fight and advocate for creators and artists, okay, great. But like, I haven't made a game. My name's not attached to any games. But my name is just sort of like slightly related to a lot of different projects. Right. So what exactly is that? And so that's definitely something that I have to like, th I think about this a lot of like, you know, Kickstarter is not going to last forever. Uh, when and if I leave What do you know? <laughs> I know nothing. I know nothing. But 
you know, my, my time at Kickstarter most likely will not last forever, right? Like that's just the reality that we face. So what is the next step for me? It is this, is this it? Have I like 12 years in, have I reached my sort of full potential as a person in games at 37 years old? Yeah. And that's a hard, that's a hard question to, to grapple with. I would say no. And I mean, like we were talking like, we have a mutual colleague, uh, Amanda, Pharaoh, I, I never know how to pronounce the last name. Is it Pharaoh? I think it's Pharaoh, yeah. Okay. She, she uh, up until recently, is, was the editor-in-chief at GameDaily.biz, and then she's no longer uh, in that role. And she publicly said this on Twitter, but she was like, he realized, like, the people that no longer are interested in, like, keeping up or keeping in touch with you mm-hmm. because, like, you no longer have those valuable connections. Yeah. And, you know... That's also kind of a, a shitty thing. This whole conversation, this whole panel is just about like, hey, here are the shitty things you run into in being in games. Well, I think I think the bigger issue that comes with that is is kind of like any industry, right? Like if we're talking about film and we're talking about Hollywood, you have sort of this like it's it's a trope, but it's like the people that are just kind of like hanging on. And it's the same thing in games. Like I, I experienced it a lot last year, and I didn't even realize it was happening until it kind of like really showed itself to me in a in a very scary and negative way, but there's a lot of people that um, either they've done shitty things and they're trying to make do, so they'll, they'll use you, me, uh, to kind of like make good within the industry of like, oh, well, Anya, Anya's cool with me, right? Like everything's fine. Or, uh, you know, people who have gotten angry at me for not telling them that I'm at a party, like at a GDC party or something, which is funny because I don't go to GDC parties. <laughs> I avoid parties. I don't like them. They're like texting you angrily and you're just yeah. in your hotel room like, what? Oh no, I've gotten like angry texts from people that are like, why didn't you invite me to this thing? And I'm like, I didn't even go. You yeah. can just go. It's the weirdest thing. If you show up, sometimes that just works. Uh, but you do have to be, you do kind of have to look out for yourself a little bit in the industry and you do need to be careful. Like for all of the good, like Sam is a friend, Dylan is a friend. If, if at any point in time they ever like <laughs> called me and needed me for anything, it doesn't even matter what it is. Like, of course I'm going to be there. What, what if I need you to go to a party? <laughs> <sighs> Sam, I would go to a party just for you. What party are we going to? Oh. <laughs> but no one else. Dylan? No. No. I have our own party. I don't like parties. <laughs> See, this is why. <laughs> I like dinners. Dinners are fun. I like, yeah. I also enjoy dinners. Like, I like small things. It's yeah. just like, I'm also, again, like, I'm not 25. I don't, free alcohol, I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, but to round this out, I'm sorry, I'm babbling so much. Um, but a lot of it is like just kind of making sure that you are sort of protecting yourself to a certain degree. Like just make sure that you surround you. You're, you're, you need to essentially find your tribe in games, stick with those people and you're all going to support each other. Maybe that's my break was finding my tribe in the games industry. Yeah. Um, another friend, Callum Underwood oh, love has, him. has said, uh, how it's cause I, cause I've run into this, like where you're like, you have people that you really look up to and you like really want to talk to them and meet them and everything. And it's like, or like maybe even like in a weirder way, like, Oh, I would like to be like friends with them or colleagues with them. Uh, and Callum has said like, you should, you should focus more on the people that are like willing to like, you know, talk to you than like the people that like might not give you the time of day, even if you look up to them. Like, I mean, sometimes people just like, you don't sync up the same like even if you really look up to them or there's there's so much going on there well you also don't know what the other person is dealing with and that's something to keep in mind like maybe they're having a shitty day yeah it's happened to me where i've just been like having a day and i i haven't been like i hope i've never been necessarily rude to anybody but i'm just like i i can't give you the time and attention that i that you deserve and so i'm gonna walk away from this conversation but hopefully i'll meet them again later like you, you know, there's sort of that gray area and there is a fine line between like, you know, don't email people three times, right? Email once, maybe twice and like say hello, but then also leave the conversation after an appropriate amount this of time. This is a call out for you, guy that lives in Palo Alto who has emailed me eight times in the past month. <laughs> Please stop e- emailing me. I do not need your accounting services. <laughs> the last email didn't even have a subject line. Oh, <laughs> You're just like, Dylan, are you getting these emails? No. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next one here, uh, I titled the slump, the slump. Um, so like, even if you're in games, like going back to that, that comic we had at the beginning, like sometimes you just, you, you run into, to difficult patches and, uh, I kind of want to talk about like, I think it's really easy to, well, easy, relatively easy to like quantify when you're an indie dev 
Like you can you can hit those like mental barriers really easy. Like, oh, is this game good? Oh, is the game is the game going to be successful? Is anyone you know is anyone going to pick up this game? Like, there, there's a lot of those. And like, um, so this is kind of like talking about like tell me about times where you've like you know hit it hard and and how you've kind of overcome those 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 problems. And you don't feel pressure to like. I mean, I, I sort of said it before, right? Like, uh, Zarvat took me like four to five years, and one year of working on Zarvat, I didn't even touch the code base. Like, it, it was it was a mess. Also, like, I couldn't, I wouldn't even be able to pull it up and like run it, and I was uh, quite depressed. I was uh, um, very very sad about uh, like, oh, this game's not even gonna make money. I spent all this money on this like dev kit. Um, the Wii U sucks, um, <laughs> and uh, I was still living. Is Kirk, listening or? I'm totally kidding. <laughs> he's on the back of the room. <laughs> You'd see him. He's like 6'5". Yeah, he's tall. tall. Yeah. Um, and I was still living, living with my parents. So I was like, ah, yeah, I gotta get out of here. You know? um, so I, I, I was really kind of sad. you know. And it, it really came down to um, the, the, way, the way that really helped me was just like, talking to a lot of other people. I would, I would leave my house literally for like 13 hours a day. And then come back home, and then I, I wouldn't really see my mom, which feels kind of bad saying that out loud. But I wouldn't really see my mom at all. Um, and I would just really, really try to work uh, hard, like outside of coffee shops. I'd go to the college that I dropped out of and work in the library, um, working on my game, <laughs> working on contract work. Um, and then eventually uh, joined this uh, collective called, well, it didn't have a name before, but now it's called Gumbo. Um, actually, the, this little crew over here. Um, the gumbos. The gumbos. Yeah, the gumbros. Well, actually, no, no, not the gumbros because oh, okay. there are there are women in gumbo. Okay. Just made gumbets. Okay, I'll I'll stop about, How about that. Just the gums. The gums. There you go. That's right. Uh, but that really, 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 really helped me. Um, just like talking to people and showing them the game and kind of getting out of the house and like uh, uh, that really helped me get out of the slump because I was. Uh, kind of alone in my room or alone in a coffee shop all day and um it's it's hard when you're in your head and you see things that uh, you repeat to yourself like oh this game sucks or um you're, it's never gonna go anywhere and uh, what, what's the point of this anyway no one cares you know stuff like that but and then you show it to like jonah and then jonah's like this is great jonah is that what you sound like okay <laughs> so everyone show your games to jonah and he'll just hype you up it's this is good. great <laughs> Cool. Anya? Oh, this is a tough question. Um, I mean, again, like, I guess I, I haven't necessarily experienced a slump because of my job in games. I, I definitely am experiencing it now with my other creative pursuit in music of like, there's been a lot of really amazing opportunities that have come my way as a musician in New York City. And I haven't accepted that I am at the level that I'm currently at as a musician. I'm still like, oh, I suck, I suck, I suck, I suck. Oh my God, oh my God. So even like bringing my horn here to MAGFest was like a huge stepping stone for me. I haven't played it here yet. So, you know, it's like little baby steps, but it's sort of just kind of getting over it sort of thing. Um, but I would say like the mental health discussion and the slump discussion in games is a really interesting one because I think like everyone in games experiences some sort of form of something, whether it's depression or anxiety or like whatever it is. And talking about it is obviously like it's cliche, but talking about it is extremely important. And so um, Callum, I really respect because he's been extremely open about sort of his struggles and also like the medication that he's been on and sort of the effects that it's had on him and also what he does in his games life. Um, he also runs a mental health, uh, Slack group, which is really great. So like, I think if you're, if you feel isolated in games, like you're not alone, there's a lot of, there's a lot of us that struggle with mental health. Uh, I do on a daily basis. Um, it's, it sucks and it's, it can be really isolating, but even just like talking about it, going like talking about it openly on panels and things like that, like that's something that I've done this year. Um, I talked about my own sort of like breakdown that I had in 2015 and had to be partially hospitalized for it and it's totally okay and there's nothing to be ashamed about for it like it's all good 
Um, but I think just knowing that like there's people to talk to um, and there are, are resources out there. And if you're just feeling even just like the smallest twinge of it, just like reaching out to people, if it's on Twitter, if it's on the mental health Slack group, whatever it is, reach out to me. Don't reach out to me all the time though. Like, I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> but if you're like, hey, hey, I'm feeling this way, even just putting it out there, like that's, that's, I think that's like a good first step. I think that's the hardest thing of like balancing us being like, you know, m emotional creatures versus yeah. us being just like people are like, I got a nine to five, you know, I can't respond to this email right yeah. now. It's like, it's, it's, it's almost seemingly an impossible tightrope to walk because I've just seen it so much. It's like how, and you know, there was that like discussion on Twitter that was, I, I, I couldn't keep track of it. Like if it was being mocked or not, but like the thing is like, are you in a proper state for me to bring my, you know, my issues that I want to talk about, you know? You yeah. So I, it's called, I, I don't know who coined the term, but it's called friend dumping. And so you want to, you want to just basically ask like, Hey, can I dump on you right now? I mean, like, sounds gross. But, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, Hey, Hey, if that's your kink, that's fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shame you for that. Exactly kink shame. But, uh, <laughs> but I think it's okay to ask, like you can, and you can they ask liked it, it over there. <laughs> Yeah, I'll get it. It's fine. Uh, but I think it's okay to ask, like, hey, are you in a space to listen? That's that's the only thing that you need to say. And if, yeah. if someone's like, no, number one, respect that. And also, like, say to them, like, hey, thank you for being honest with me, but there's always going to be somebody else, right? Like, that's a really important right. thing to think about. Yeah. Uh, and if it was being mocked, fuck them. That's so stupid. Right. Like, yeah. we should be respectful of each other. Although I'm not respecting them, but, like, also don't mock people for mental health stuff. So. Yeah, it, it, it's just <laughs> it's just hard to navigate because, like... Yeah, I, I have that problem where it's like, oh, I want to like, I want to, I don't know, connect with someone or like talk to someone about this. But like also like, I'm also sometimes in a state where I'm like, whatever, don't want to think about it, stuff like that. Like I'm just, I, I am a well-adjusted person and I don't want to think about this stuff. And like, you almost feel like a hypocrite because it's like, well, I can't have both of those, can I? Well, humans are multifaceted and complex. Oh, and they're beautiful. It's, well, some of us, <laughs> not me, not me. Uh, I have realized this, I mean, 2019, it's what, like four days into 2020, something like that. I realized in 2019 that I was much more empathic than I, I initially thought. And I realized that was what was like kind of fucking me up a lot in the sense that I will take on the feeling of things like to a degree where I will then sit with that. I take on the feeling of what's going on in the room and I will immediately like feel that. And so that was like causing a lot of panic attacks in my life where I was like, I don't know what's going on, but like, I just can't be here. I can't be here. And so it was just a lot of, it was a lot of therapy. It was a lot of talking with my husband and friends and just being like, Oh, I feel really deeply. I feel maybe more deeply than I think I do. So I just have to make sure that I'm like in a place where I can feel whatever's going on. And if it doesn't feel good, I'm going to just leave and yeah. that's okay. I'm also slowly learning that because I feel like I'm also empathic like that. And I'm just like, all right, if something is just like applying a lot of downward pressure to me and it's just stressing me out all the time. Yeah. That doesn't mean the thing is inherently bad. Yeah. I just don't think the thing like I can mesh with that well. Like I just, it just, cause it just drives yeah. all this anxiety. It, and to, well, I just want to Go say ahead, to, to, to drive it back to games just a little bit. That's like, what I was going to do. Oh my God. Whoa. What? What are, you, are you a fellow empath? Is that what you're yeah. saying? <laughs> um, so Salim who runs co-op in Montreal, right? That's where they are. Uh, co-op made made nog um if you've played oh, that yeah. game um he said that uh his number one advice for people that want to start a business like whether it's in games or whatever he's like just go to therapy <laughs> just go to therapy like you need to go to therapy you need to know yourself better because like it's the, yeah being There's, an entrepreneur is not going to make any of that better well and i think also just that even just saying go to therapy like first of all it's extremely hard to find a therapist it's uh if you don't have health insurance because america is so ridiculous that's also extremely difficult however there are apps uh i think it's called talks Talkspace, I think it's called. Um, it's on a bunch of podcasts that I listen to as an advertiser. I think it's called Talkspace, but I think it's like $30 a month. And you basically just text your therapist and they'll talk to you for like half an hour because sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Um, and this and this was kind of like where the, the genesis of this panel kind of came up because like end of last year, I was just like really in a bad place. It was like, because doing all the podcast stuff that I do, I'm like always trying to get guests, always trying to talk to people. And then you just, you send out all of these cold call emails and then no one gets back to you and you're like, ah, this is dumb shit. This is shit. Like, why isn't like, no one cares, whatever. Um, 
And I was like, I'll make a panel about that. <laughs> That's healthy, right? <laughs> Um, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think the healthiest things that got me out of slumps is um, that theory. There's, there's like an actual medical term for it, but it's like kind of synthesizing your uh, negative emotion. And there, there's a few ways to get it out, right? Like one way is you can punch a wall, right? There's like kind of just releasing it. One way is like anger, just like really yelling out. One way is like just really keep it deep in and like feel it really hard. And then there's one... Uh, there's one way, uh, it's like phase morphing or whatever, something like that. It's not, it's not that. Morphing? What? Uh, I, I should not have said any guess, but it was, it's pretty much just to uh, uh, synthesize your, your feeling of the motion you're feeling into a piece of work, a piece of art, or something you say, something um, like, tra trans it might be called transmutation, like transmuting it into a different form of media, and then it kind of leaves the emo emotional form. Um, it, it works for me. I, it might be the only thing that really, really works for me. Um, that might be why I spend so much time like working on games and stuff. Um, like the, the transmutation of uh, what you did of turning your slump into a panel, I think is quite beautiful. All right. Well, thank you. Um, so this next part, I mean, it's we've already been talking about because I mean we can't talk about the bad part without talking about the good part and well, like. Let's only talk about the bad stuff. Yeah, exactly. Let's just do um, so like. Sam, I'm going to throw it back to you because, like, obviously, I mean, I, I just indie dev, I can relate to a lot, like we were talking about. And so, like, I mean, obviously, Zarvok came out and it was, you know, it was released and, and all that stuff. And so, like, what, I don't know, what, what did you gain from seeing that full cycle of development uh, to it being a full product and how that helped, like, where you were and, like, when it was getting really difficult? So, I, I told you guys when I was making Zarbot, uh, especially towards the end, I was pretty sad. Um, but after I released it, I was really, really happy that I released it. And then I became really, really sad again um, because I was broke. <laughs> uh, indie games don't make that much money. So, I was like, well, shit, um, I need to do something. Um, however, luckily, because of Zarvot, really, it's n no doubt about it, because of Zarvot, because of uh, all the people I kind of ran into. Um, I got offered a, uh, a short-term contract at us too. So I worked. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah, that was, it was really, really fun. Um, I worked, uh, this, my friend uh, Kevin Harper worked at us too. So he was like, hey, do you want to help us out on this project? And I was like, how much do you want me to help you out on your project? <laughs> <laughs> and I eventually worked with them and it was incredibly, incredibly fun um, kind of getting back into just short cycles, shipping a game with great people. Um, and that, that was really the biggest value of Zarvat. So Zarvat sold, eh. but if I really take into account how much Zarvat really made me and like contract work and stuff like that, like, yeah, it's, it's not that bad. Like at worst, it's a portfolio piece. Like, like that you can show to people and be like, this is, this is something I made. Exactly. Yeah. What about you, Anya? So, no, I don't know how I, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, just because, again, like I don't have a portfolio <laughs> sure. for games. Um, I would say like the best piece of advice that I've ever heard for growth is actually from my friend John Cooney, um, who used to work for Congregate. Uh, he's back at Armor Games now. And he does this talk. I think it's on the GDC vault. Um, uh, and it's I think it's on YouTube. But basically... Um, one of the things that can happen, and like you can probably speak to this tenfold, is you have this idea for like your game. This is like the game that you're going to make, and you just get kind of like obsessed with making it. But um, what can happen is that you get so obsessed with making it that you for kind of forget about everything else. So his advice is have that idea and work on it, but essentially like continuously work on the basics. And so for I think about this in music terms. For me, that would be like if I just have like a huge like I want to learn all, every single song by Beethoven. I don't, but like, you know, as an example. And I just neglect Is there any saxophone in Beethoven? No. Okay. The saxophone wasn't invented. Yeah. Ah. 
Do you want the history of the saxophone? We can talk about it later. Uh, next panel. It's real weird. <laughs> uh, but uh, that would be essentially me neglecting my scales, not playing my scales every day, which is like the basics. So for game design, you should just make small games, constantly be making little games because there's so much that you can do with that. And that's a good way to kind of grow your portfolio is making like, here's a five minute game that I made. Here's an engine that I built. Here's just like something that I did and I'm continuously working on it because you never know when you're going to need to sort of like reference that. And it also just continuously like keeps your like, I hate to use music terms, uh, it keeps your chops up basically. Mm. Uh, not to push that back on that too much, but I'm curious, is that, did you take a tack like that? Sam, like, were you constantly making smaller games? It's actually quite funny because a lot of times I would take people would tell me to do the opposite, and yeah. I would I would what, ignore the, them. And that's the point of me bringing that up is that there's so much um, conflicting information well, specifically in that realm. Yeah, like, it's finding what's right for you. Well, like, well, people would tell me like, oh, Sam, you're doing too much. You gotta like, uh, you, you you can't be good at everything. You can, you can only program, or you can't. You shouldn't like do art. You should hire someone else to mm -hmm. do this thing. And you're like, watch me. Well. Yeah, but uh, I, I just wanted to do everything, so I was like, no, I, no, they can't do it. I'll do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so difficult, like giving the right advice to people, and that's why, like, I wanted to a avoid like the standard advice for this talk, and more like, look, it's gonna get rough. Like, if you want to do something, if you want to make something, and you want to make something you're proud of, and you, and no matter if you're gonna make something, it's going to be personal to you, like inevitably, like you're gonna have some sort of attachment to it, and you have to understand. Like, like going through the, the, the mental health exercises of like when reality starts like kind of, you know, trying to attack your, your baby. Like I, I went to business school and I think one of the best lessons I, I took out of business school was in my entrepreneurship classes, they were just like, you got to kill your babies. Like there's no, there's no idea that's too precious to, that it, it has, it has to see the light of day. Like, like the, the most precious idea is the one that succeeds. And sometimes that's a little conniving and uh, you know you know uh uncaring but like sometimes that's the truth because like yeah. it's it's really about kind of like finding that balance of doing doing what you want to do but making sure that like you're you're in a good headspace and you can you can you can maintain it so if you're just constantly like sprinting in whatever pursuit it might be like it's you, you're gonna you're gonna run out of headspace eventually yeah, that's something that I personally really, 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 really struggle with uh, on almost a daily basis. Um, I constantly like, I mean, I'm, I'm, no one's forced me to do this, but I, I like, I, for some reason I force myself uh, almost manically like to work like 13 hour days for months on end. No, no one's telling me to do this. Um, and r really it comes down to like uh, being at 1am at the office and looking at Jonah and being like, what am I doing? <laughs> And then him he's telling like, me gumbos. like, <laughs> he, he's like, you should be doing that. Don't, well, his, his words are, don't do what you shouldn't do. Yeah, but Jonah, why are you at the office at 1 a.m. then? <laughs> <laughs> funny. All right. So there's one more question on here that I want to hit. Um, and then we can do a little bit of Q&A. Sorry, just quickly for Q&A too. I, I'm someone that will never ask a question in a public setting. So if you want to ask me, yes. if you want to, I don't want to speak for either of you, but like I'm happy to talk to people outside. Um, and if we want to throw our Twitters up there, my DMs are open. Yeah, Please yeah. feel free I'll, to reach out. I'll put it back on the first slide. Awesome. Also, don't be like that one person at Pack South that just shoved a, a live stream microphone in front of you. <laughs> do what? You, do you remember that? No. Oh, yeah, it was like after our panel at Pack South, you got like interviewed oh. on the spot yeah she was like you're on the radio right now and i was like i'm sorry what's happening <laughs> i also was like hopped up on so much sinus medication oh okay that i oh boy yeah that was bad um just that's why i don't remember yeah just prep people if you're gonna do something like that um uh, last question oh nope the question is gone all right the question was going to be uh have you made it sam have you made it do you feel like you've made it and it could be, it can be, it doesn't have to be a yes or no. It can be. I mean, I made it here. Yes, you made it to Mag, you made it to the panel, and I appreciate that. Um, that that's that's a really interesting question. I mean, that's the title of the talk. Yeah. I mean, the panel, which is pretty. <laughs> I should have seen that coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, it's it's a, it's interesting because uh, it is not defined. Right. So I. Have I have I made it like uh, working in video games? Like, have, have I broken into the video game industry? Yeah, for sure. I'm super happy that I did. Like, ultra grateful. 
that I that I did. Uh, have I made it like the the best game ever? Uh, no, I haven't. Mm-hmm. Right? Have I made it like enough money to live off video games? Yeah, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Excuse my language, uh, but it's it's great. Like I, I can make money off video games. A lot of people want to do that. They they're working like a full time job. Um, and they want to take the leap into working and even just working in Unity full time, right? So I've made that. Um, but uh, just like the comic uh, that you you put up, uh, you climbed the ladder. Yeah. And then you're just sitting in that blue void, and you're like, <laughs> "How am I sitting? Is the blue void it? <laughs> it's it's uh, Anya. Have you made it? I feel like I've made it halfway. Okay. Um. I feel like there's a lot more that I can do in games and there's a lot more that I want to do in games. I don't really know what that is, but that's also maybe the exciting part. Like maybe it's going to reveal itself to me this year and next year and the year after, who knows? Um, But I feel like I'm probably where I need to be at this point in my career. Right. And that's that's a much easier place to be if like you have like a full-time job or you have like some sort of like revenue coming in from games yeah. whereas being in those nascent stages of like oh is this ever going to come through is this yeah. ever going to be but yeah I get it um, I'll answer this question too uh, since I posed it um, I think I don't think I have I don't think I've, I've made it like I, I do the podcasting stuff I try to do indie stuff when I can um, but I do I do work a full time job um, outside of games and um, I think the one the weird thing that really like kind of clicked in place for me and feeling like, oh, I feel like I've, I've, I don't know, stepped forward. I've stepped through some sort of threshold was when people started DMing me at events like, hey, do you want to hang out? You want to hang out? Like, it's weird. Like how much it's like, oh, this person's thinking about me. And that does like wonders for your mental health where you're like, oh, someone is considering me when they're like making plans or doing something. And I think, and that just goes back to like finding your tribe, finding your, your, your group of people that you can rely on. And that's super important when people are like considering you in their plan. So in that case, it's like I have, I've made it in terms of people, you know, considering me part of their friend groups and Anya, Sam, like doing stuff like that. Like you guys were willing to come on the panel. Like Anya, you came to MAGFest. Like this is your first MAGFest and you came down I came literally just for this panel. And I greatly appreciate that. I, I do want to just quickly touch on something that you said that I have been thinking a lot about, which is I do have a full-time job. And I hear this a lot where it's like my full-time job, whether it's games or if you want to be like a full-time artist or if you want to make movies or music, whatever, like I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. No. And I think that we sort of demonize this idea of like, look, I fucking hate capitalism but we live in a capitalist society and that's kind of, you do need to kind of play by the rules a little bit in order to live in a capitalist structure. I'd love to burn it all down and start from scratch, but that's not a reality right now. (laughs) Or like, also, I would like to live in a fully empathic society where we can be like honest with mental health and like just constantly like, I want to tell you like all my deepest, darkest struggles, semi stranger, like in, yeah, of course, but we don't, but we don't, but, but I think there's like, I don't ever want anyone to think that like you sitting in your, in your room, in your apartment, in your house, wherever you are, like coding, making art, making whatever, whatever it is that your endeavor is, if that's not your full-time thing and you still have a day job, that doesn't mean that you're any less worthy in that space. Like, please don't think that that's really, really important. Cause that's where you get into the danger of like, Oh, I haven't made it. I haven't made it. Like you don't know what your stuff is going to, if, if you put something on the internet and, and it speaks to somebody, like, I think that means that you've made it. Agree. Um, I want to do just a couple of questions. Uh, we have like seven minutes. So I want to, can I get a raise of hands to anyone that's interested in asking a question? Okay. Um, okay. We have like five or so people. We'll start here. Um, just shout out your question. I'll repeat it. So everyone, if you want, you can use the microphone. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. I'm going to repeat it for the purposes of the recording. Just to- I don't know how to 
concise a, that down to the question. So basically, <laughs> no, no, that, I, I get it. I think I get it. So basically games right now, it's a bit of a wild west. We don't exactly know what's coming because it's a brand new medium essentially, right? Unlike other forms of entertainment. Um, and so how, how, what, what type of advice would we give to, you know, like a five-year-old who's like, you know, probably on Snapchat or something, like something ridiculous, like TikTok. I don't five-year-old know. on Snapchat? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think no matter what, you need to find people that are going to support you. I think that at the end of the day is the most important thing. Uh, I think it's a little bit of an impossible question because like I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know if like we're going to get bombed tomorrow. Like that's unfortunately reality that we're kind of living in. Like things are just nuts right now. Um, we got like 20 years left in the climate. Like it's, it's crazy. Uh, so I, I think in terms of like, you should go to this school and you should do this thing. I don't think that. I don't think that school is for everybody. I think that you need to find the education for yourself in the best way that is possible for you. And again, I think the most important thing, no matter what, is finding the people that are going to support you. And that's not always saying yes. That's also finding people that are going to tell you no. Yeah, I definitely agree with like, sometimes you need people, you need people to tell you no in the right way. Yeah. And like communicate that like maybe this isn't the right path or maybe yeah you i'm sorry sam i just like jumped in there do you have anything that, that was really good oh, cool. <laughs> uh another question i'm gonna go over here uh right okay so to repeat the question going from design to like game design like specifically in the art art design sphere like how do you how do you move into that do you, would you yeah. have the most experience in like contracting stuff like that right yeah i do a lot of contracting work um it's actually really interesting you say that because um so i, d I did a little bit of work uh, at us two games i uh, sorry not us two games at us two working on a game <laughs> and um for those of you who don't know us two is the company who made Monument valley and before Monument Valley, us two is and was a design agency. One of the biggest design agencies in the world. They have offices all around the world. Um, and they decided to invest in uh, the, the founder's words, not mine, pure creativity. Uh, so they, they tried making a couple of games. Uh, they made one uh, like Whale Tail, I believe. Um, and then they made another one and didn't really do too well, especially not for such a big design agency. Um, and then they're like, all right, this, this is our last shot. We're going to sink $2 million into this thing. And out came one of the greatest mobile games in existence. Yeah, my, to, to add, so like the Machinarium devs also are design, are a design firm. Yeah, Animata Design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're like Eastern Europe or something, right? They're somewhere in Europe. I can't remember. Somewhere in Europe. Um, so yeah, so I think for that, I think the the from what I understand from like the the client services firm and people that want to gear their stuff towards games, like are you specifically you want to work on a game in house or you want to like contract for other? Yeah, I don't know the specifics of like reaching out to set. Like obviously, like the easy answer is like go to GDC and like so GDC is oh. the game developers. <laughs> You're so excited. Uh, GDC, I'm going to my 11th GDC this year, so that's why I got excited. Uh, G, yeah, G. Yeah, write, write in, that one down. Is in Gregory. <laughs> D is in Dylan. C is in Combs. Combs. There you go. Um, uh, so I GDC is a game developers conference. It's every year in San Francisco in the spring. Um, it's like the biggest developers conference for games. It's in like, the U.S. Right. The US, yeah. Really. Like in the, I think Gamescom is probably bigger. I guess, but that's more. That's also public facing. So yeah, that's, that's true. That's a hard. Yeah. But it's just basically like every like not every but like so many developers come to that one city and take it over and it, they they're talking. There's like tons of free networking opportunities like mixers and 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 luncheons and all this stuff. There is like there is a pass you can buy to go to the expo floor and like go to talks like so they have talks in different tracks whether it's business marketing or design or or you know, programming and stuff yeah but here's the thing i so 11th gdc this year i've never been to a talk most of those talks are going to be on youtube yeah don't I buy have, a badge i've never been to a talk either that badge is a thousand dollars you don't need it um it's 
Yeah. Uh, you're you better go, off. You go to the W Hotel lobby <laughs> and you go to the Marriott Hotel lobby. And then you go to Yerba Buena Gardens. Yes. You go to the gardens. There's a park right outside the, the, the convention center. And you just talk. You just walk up to someone. Uh, I remember last year, Sam, we were staying in the park. And Sam goes, points at someone. He's like, isn't that the guy that worked on Frog Fraction? And I go, no. That's the guy that worked on Frog Fractions. And he walked by. <laughs> um, so it's that kind of stuff. And like, so you walk up to people, talk to them, if, and, and, and pick their brains about stuff. Like AAA, indie, yeah. all across the board. I, I do want to just quickly acknowledge that we are also talking about uh, a space that has a lot of privilege being able to, to right. potentially fly across the country and go to San yes. Francisco. Let's say that's maybe not an option for you in bringing your team. Uh, hate, to, hate to plug a terrible website, but Twitter.com is a great place to look for work. It's a hell site, but it's a useful hell site. Um, all right, so we're over time. Uh, if anyone else has any other questions, we can take them afterwards. I will put uh, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, Dylan, thanks. This was fun. Of course. Um, here's our Twitter information. Like I said, I'm gonna. Rec- uh, I have recorded it. I'm gonna put it up on our website. You can find it. Uh, the recording at Word Hyphen Games. Uh, dot com or it's on a podcast feed called Wardcast. It's W A R D C A S T. There's also like over 200 episodes on there. You should subscribe. Dylan about. does an incredible job putting this podcast together, I'm and so you tired. will learn. You'll learn a lot. You'll learn from Mike Bithell. You'll learn from Rami. You'll learn from just these names in the industry that you all kind of want to get to know. You'll and Dylan, learn how is... much Rami loves Ace Combat, which oh, is a God. lot. Which is a lot. Um, but yeah, if you want to subscribe to that, that'll be on there. If you want to <laughs> go back to this and reference it, and I would like to do this talk again next Magfest or at other shows. Um, so we'll keep it going. But yeah, if you have any other questions, we'll we'll take it outside so we can let the next panel come in. And thank you all so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Yeah.